This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by His Church in Lord's Day 31 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and we'll read that together. It's on page 546 in the Book of Praise. You can see that it's a continuation of the previous answer where it speaks about the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then the question is, what are the keys of the kingdom of heaven, the preaching of the go holy gospel, and church discipline? By these two, the kingdom of heaven is opened to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits as often as they, by true faith, accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. They do not give up their errors or wickedness. They are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. They do not heed also their admonitions. They are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you believe that there is such a thing as right and wrong? And if you do believe that a person can make such a distinction, what makes one thing right and another thing wrong? What standard do you use to determine your behavior? I am not a lawyer or a criminologist, but it would seem that the very fact that there are security guards, police officers, military personnel, and other law enforcement agents here listening today confirms that our society recognizes that there is such a thing as good behavior and evil behavior. Our country has a system of laws that are put in place to protect property, to ensure public safety, to collect the taxes, to pay for these services. And together then with all my fellow citizens, I am thankful that there are men and women who work tirelessly in law enforcement to catch and to punish wicked people. Everybody knows that your work is an essential service 
for our society, something that is needed. However, even though deep down most people recognize that there is a moral code of right and wrong that makes the justice system necessary, very few people will believe that there is one absolute truth revealed to us by a personal moral God. The standard that society uses to judge right from wrong is as fluid and unstable as the fads in Hollywood and the movies, the whims of sports heroes, and the needs of the day. Experts are quick to point out that our society today, 2019, even here in Edmonton, we're disconnected from history. There's a tendency to, to fail to recognize how even our bodies play a role in determining our identity. The society rejects all authority. And so denying that truth even exists, the society is content to accept more than one explanation or idea as being equally true, even though they may contradict one another. So I can just imagine how difficult it is for police officers and law enforcement agents, military, to, to be asked to restrain evil by a community, a society, that simultaneously uses rhetoric, uses words that deny the existence of evil. It seems that we live in this big contradiction. How do we carry our lives, uh, how do we live our lives out as Christians? And what a blessing it is to hear the loud, clear voice of the church in her completely counter-cultural confession in Lord's Day 31. Here is a worldview that explains the root cause of misery and the only way to find peace. How important it is for us as God's people to, to shout it out from the rooftops. There is a creator who has made the heavens and the earth. We suffer because we fight against his word and his commands and his authority. But God has sent his son to rescue us from his wrath, his wrath against everything that ruins his good creation. And God promises to grant restoration and healing to our lives, a healing that lasts not only for today, but forevermore. As God blesses the world with law enforcement agents to restrain evil and also sends heralds of the gospel to point everyone to the open door that leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ. And as you hear the Lord's ambassadors go out into the world with this message, as, as we go out as his ambassadors, hear also the voice of the good shepherd as he speaks to you. And this is the gospel that I preach. Jesus calls his bride to come through the open door into the kingdom of heaven. We'll see that he shows the way and he also gives the keys. Well, we read together in John 3 about John the Baptist. He was sent by the Lord himself to prepare the way for the coming of his son. 
and our Lord. John tells us that John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John's preaching called people to repentance so that they might believe in Jesus Christ and then turn to him as their Savior. God used preaching to announce that there is forgiveness of sins for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And in the passage we read in John 3, John the Baptist compared himself to the bridegroom, the best man at the compared himself to the best man at the bridegroom's wedding. And he used this comparison to explain that he at that time in history was only important for a little while before the Christ himself came. But now that the Christ has come, and, the, and John even pointed out and said, look, the Lamb of God, now that the Christ has come, John the Baptist became unnecessary. Everything was focused on this relationship between the bridegroom and the bride. When we look to other parts of Scripture, we can see that John the Baptist chose a very fitting analogy. Already in the Old Testament, the covenant people of God are often referred to as God's bride. Later on, Jesus would speak of the marriage feast of the Lamb. Paul uses similar comparisons. And the Bible even ends with a reference to the church coming down from heaven as a bridegroom adorned for her bride, that new Jerusalem. And we'll sing about that in hymn 73 after the message. The comparison that is used to emphasize that there is an exclusive relationship between Christ and his church is this comparison of a bride and a bridegroom. And so the John the Baptist is, is referring to that picture that the Lord has given to say that no one else can claim unity with Jesus Christ. No one but the bride will be admitted by the bridegroom to the wedding. The church is also not to be united with anyone but Jesus Christ. The only way into the kingdom of heaven is to be united to Jesus Christ by true faith to be his bride. We see that also as we join this church here on the earth. Well, John goes on to explain that since Christ has come down from heaven, like the bridegroom, he is above all. And nothing that any man from earth can say will be more important than his words. Christ is the perfect preacher for, says John, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard. John 3, verse 22. And then in verse 24, John explains further, he has the Spirit without measure, and he utters the very words of God. And so in all his teaching, the Lord Jesus was very clear that he is the way and the truth and the life. We read the Gospels and we see how he talked about sins. He talked about good and evil. He talked about his payment for sins on the cross. He urged people to stop trying to earn their way into heaven by following the rules of the synagogues of Satan, 
that shut the door to the kingdom of heaven for everyone who trusted in Jesus Christ. That was exactly the opposite to the gospel that he preached. He announced his gracious work for the people of God. His words from start to finish, they show the way into the kingdom of heaven. And the resounding message is just like we read it in John 3. Believe the testimony. Believe that God is true. Believe that Jesus is Savior and you will have life. Preachers today are judged faithful according to the measure that they repeat what Jesus preached. And we confess that God will judge each person, both in this life and in the life to come, based on whether or not they believe the testimony of the gospel. This is straight from the gospel of John where the Holy Spirit tells us that, and it's John 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. If you look at Romans 2, verse 16, you can see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, says the same thing when he says that God will judge the secrets of men by Christ Jesus, according to my gospel. He means according to the gospel that he was preaching. We recognize these words. They're not that unfamiliar to us. But do you realize how countercultural it is to say that God will judge people according to what they believe? We not only confess that there is an absolute truth, but also that anyone who wants to be saved from the wrath of God must believe exactly that. The idea of an absolute truth that is above everything, that there is a right and a wrong, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing in today's society. The words of John the Baptist, of Paul, of Jesus Christ, they, they're earth-shattering. And the picture of a closed door to the kingdom of heaven because of a lack of faith in Jesus Christ, shocking news in our society. And perhaps this is the reason we often feel a little uneasy about Lord's Day 31. And yes, about being too public with our preaching and with our faith. I know that many of us have family members who have left the church or who have never come to know the Lord. Maybe they even call you judgmental because you, have, because you, you do not simply affirm them in their lifestyle choices and in their version of the truth. Now, if this is your situation, and it's a difficult situation to find yourself in, you need to remember the love that colors every word that we confess. What prevents some people from walking through the open door that we proclaim? Well, if we look closely at our confession and at scriptures, we, we quickly see that what's preventing them is not the actual gospel message. 
The preaching boldly announces that no one has to be excluded, that no one who wants to enter into the kingdom to glorify God there will be rejected. The gospel does not close the door to heaven, but it simply exposes the pride and the rebellion that prevents a person from walking through the door. In Revelation 3, verse 8, the Lord Jesus tells the church in Philadelphia that he has set before them an open door which no one is able to shut. It is a door that is open for those who are weak. And in Revelation, you see how he talks about that, that weakness and the struggle. A door that is open for those who are weak but humble. Those who believe that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all righteousness. The Lord Jesus is an open door to the glory of heaven for all those who keep his word, he says. That's a great comfort for the church here today. That's a great message to be able to share, a message of hope pointing to an open door in Jesus Christ. The bridegroom has clearly revealed the way, and it's announced publicly to the world in all grace. This is his bride, and he calls you to be a part of the church because only this bride has received the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And when we look at the keys, we need to see the big picture. The bridegroom, Jesus Christ, he has shown the way through his teaching and through his preaching. The bridegroom also sends his spirit to work faith and to dwell in the hearts of everyone who believes in him and have received a place among the sanctified like we saw yesterday, or last week in the afternoon, Acts 26, verse 18. The scripture make it clear that the Lord is the one who is gathering his church in Jesus Christ throughout time by his spirit, through his word. Only the Lord God can change a person's heart. And conversion is a wonderful, a miracle as wonderful as creation and the, and the resurrection from the dead. Christ, who is above all, determines who his bride is and no person on earth can interfere with his work or his plan. The church finds itself working in the plan of God as instruments in his hand. Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. Christ Jesus is, as he himself says, the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. When Christ calls his bride to come into his kingdom, his bride will be enabled to enter by Christ's power. It was the Lord who decided to use people on earth to preach this gospel, to oversee his church. And it's in this context that our Lord Jesus talks about giving the keys to the church. The only ones who can walk through the open door to Christ, the bridegroom, are those who belong to his body, his church. Your membership in a local 
faithful church of Christ is closely related to the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. When Jesus talks about giving the keys of the kingdom to his church in Matthew 16, verse 19, he is talking about the authoritative declarations made by the church concerning a person's place in the kingdom of heaven, a place determined by the Lord first of all. And that's why Jesus says in John 20, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. All this works itself out, and when the overseers chosen by the church determine who may become and then remain a member of the local church. If elders can conclude that the Lord has forgiven your sins because of your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are forgiven. If they do not see evidence of repentance, faith, and a godly life, then this unbelief and this, or this hypocrisy, it makes it impossible for such a person to be a member of Christ's bride, which is characterized by faith in him. The keys of the kingdom, the preaching, and the church discipline are the two ways that the leaders of the church communicate the reality of our situation to us. Now the first key is the proclamation of the gospel. The preacher is an instrument in the hand of God, and we confess it so beautifully, to declare and testify to the absolute truth of God's work in the world through his Son, Jesus Christ. And spiritual leaders must always ensure that the preacher in their congregation is preaching the gospel of salvation as Jesus spoke it. As we also have it nicely summarized in answer 84, the Heidelberg Catechism. Every humble, repentant believer that desires to live in peace with God can be and must be comforted and assured that he or she has received the desire of their heart in Christ Jesus and only in Christ Jesus. Every unbeliever and hypocrite must be fearlessly warned, even if every radio talk show and every co-worker and every fiber of our culture resists and, and hates the message, the idea of a warning. Everyone is called by God through the preaching to be weak, to be humble before the Lord, to submit to him and receive his grace, receive that offer of life eternal in Jesus Christ, to praise him forever in eternal blessings in his kingdom. And the second key is church discipline. Our Lord Jesus' teaching concerning the steps of discipline are nicely summarized. We, we read them together. If you'd like to read more about all the steps, you can turn to the church order in pages 658 and 659 of the Book of Praise, working it out, some of the purposes of church discipline to defend the holy name of God, to reconcile the sinner to the church and with his neighbor and to remove all offense out of the church. The elders will lead you through these steps to see where you are in relation 
to the bridegroom, well aware that many saved children of God spent a lot, spend a lot of time persisting in their rebellion. The church discipline is the elders taking care of the flock in, in sincere love. The wolves must be kept away from the flock, whether they are hiding within or they are attacking from without. And the lambs and the sheep of God who want to dwell in the shelter of his salvation, they must be protected. They must be sought out when they start to wander away or get distracted. They must be saved from the teeth of our adversary, the devil. The beautiful thing of receiving the keys already now, before the day of judgment, is that we can know what God's judgment is, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. The work of the overseers is done in the moment. It's done in living color. The results are constantly updated so that we can know where we stand with respect to God's kingdom right now. You see, we aren't preparing for some test in the future. We don't even know what the future will bring. We don't know on what day we will meet our maker. We don't know exactly when it is when our children will stand before the throne of God. And so Jesus Christ uses and sends the elders as a gauge to let us know how things are. It's a very simple gauge. just says open or closed. But it will let you know where you are in relation to the bridegroom. Now it's true that earthly pastors, they can't see your heart. And it's true that from time to time they need to, they, they, they need to correct conclusions that were made maybe in, in weakness or in haste. But we can all understand and we can all agree that if the elders can agree on the description of your activities and what that says about your relationship to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, it's very important to pay close attention. The Lord Jesus is speaking to you through these servants. There's a close connection between your place in the faithful local church on earth and your place in the kingdom of heaven. Now as we head into another season of family visits and just to be able to say that is a wonderful blessing. What a blessing that we have pastoral care on an annual basis where the elders know your lives and your families and come to visit and show the love of Christ. A great privilege that we may enjoy. And as we, we come into that season again, the, the elders are eager to comfort you with the promise of the forgiveness of your sins and to celebrate with you that, that open door that our Lord Jesus has opened and no one can close. And they will probably ask you about the preaching and not just what you think of the preacher or the preaching as if you are asked by God to evaluate the instruments that he has ordained. But they're asking most importantly to see how you are responding to the faithful preaching of the gospel. 
They want to know what your reaction to the declaration of the gospel is. That's because your response to the preaching reveals what you think about the gospel, about Jesus Christ. They will ask you about the fruit of repentance in your lives. They will ask you to speak about the glorious evidence of the Holy Spirit and how He is leading you to glorify God in your work and in your relationships and in your worship. And as they do this, they are able to ensure that the members of this congregation are Christians who want to serve the Lord, who are eager to walk in His ways according to the Scriptures. The Lord is using this key of discipline so that you may be assured that the door to the kingdom of heaven is open for you in Jesus Christ. So you noticed as well in our confession that we confess that the gospel must be preached to each and every believer, whether they are a part of the flock or whether they are yet to be gathered in by Christ. And to all unbelievers and hypocrites, whether they are outside the church or they are hiding within it. We think about that also as ambassadors of Jesus Christ and specifically as we think of those involved in in law enforcement, we see how there is a calling now to, to bring that hope and the truth into our local situations, into our relationships. And even now we, we end, let me end today with some comments to anyone who is not a member of a faithful Christian church and has not yet come to profess their faith in Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will open your hearts to understand the gospel, to believe in Jesus Christ. We love you as fellow citizens made in the image of God. And we warn you that you will repeatedly meet dead ends in this life under the sun until you come to the door to eternal glory that Christ has opened, which is announced to the world in the Bible and also through the preaching. You know as well as I do, and I can imagine us comforting those around us as well as we share this gospel we can tell our, our friends and family members and co-workers that, that we know very well that there is evil in the world. And they know that as well because many of them are caught up in that evil. Maybe you are listening and you are caught up in that emptiness and that hopelessness and that misery and the greed and the violence that is all around us. Even if you have a if you lead a, a law-abiding, an honest, perhaps even type of spiritual life, you will encounter this fear and this emptiness when your time on earth is up. But we have a wonderful message to share with the world, don't we? We want, you to we want to tell you that you don't have to remain in the misery under the wrath of God forever because the Bible announces and I preach to you a a door that is open to heaven where there is long, no longer any tears or hatred or violence or misery. And the Lord has said that anyone who humbles himself before him 
Anyone who confesses their sins and believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. A lot of people are opposed to the gospel because of FOMO, fear of missing out, and they're told they are missing out. But we can say you don't need to miss out. You don't need to miss out. Hear the voice of the Good Shepherd as he calls you through the preaching. Hear the voice of the bridegroom inviting his bride. Join the church of Jesus Christ. Receive his grace, feel his love, and rejoice in the amazing, transforming work that God works in your hearts by his Spirit. And even as we tell the world this gospel, we realize, brothers and sisters, how privileged we are to have this hope, to see this open door, to know Jesus Christ. Praise God for giving us his truth. Praise God for allowing us to see it, for bringing the pastoral care of the elders into our lives, for the keys of the kingdom of heaven that confirm direction in the gospel in our lives. Amen.